Hello, Gasheads, and welcome to this very special A Chat With episode of Gascast. I'm Max Alderson, and I'm delighted to be joined by Bristol Rovers' most promoted player and legend of the club, Chris Lines. Chris, thanks very much for joining me. How are you? I'm good, yeah. Um, been a good week, so <laughs> nice to nice to get another another medal. Um, obviously, it's been a bit of a mad three months, but it's all kind of worked out in the end, which I always had belief that it was going to. So, yeah, nice to now chill out, get a bit of time off and, and kind of just forget about football for, for not for as long as we, we normally get. But, you know, hopefully, like I said, maybe a month of just spending some time with the kids and missus and just relaxing and, and just know we're going back back to League One football is, is nice. Yeah, yeah, nice nice standard to be playing at and um five promotions isn't bad isn't bad uh, to have on your resume, is it? Yeah, no, I've got to pinch myself sometimes. Um obviously I my I set my target to go to Northampton mainly for the for that reason. Speaking to the manager and obviously bringing in a, a lot of new players, that was his his aim. Obviously, it was tough because I did, you know, like I say, with loads of different players coming in. You, you don't know how that's going to go down. And to be fair, at the start, it, it didn't go down great. We had a pretty average start, probably worse than average actually. And I think a lot of lot of the fans up in Northampton were, were, were thinking whether you know we'd sign the right players or and, you know it was a lot of negativity at the start of the season. But everyone I spoke to, I said like, you just need to give it time. You know, you can't be bringing in 13, 14 players and things just be clicking overnight. Like we we went away pre-season and we had a good good time and we you know the the older lads and the senior lads I think we we realised that we've got a good bunch and you know a talented bunch and I think we just needed to get our style of play and get an identity of what we were going to do and you know it's not it's not going to happen straight away so it didn't and probably for the first ten fifteen games we we were bang average but we we went on a run then around Christmas time which. You know, we we just didn't look like losing. We we had a good FA Cup run. Our home form was was unbelievable, and that's when you really start believing. So I never thought it would be done the way it, it was done eventually. Obviously at that that time, but obviously we we're lucky to get the the playoffs and going into it at least favourites. We we've come out comfortable winners. So it's it's I think my theory from the start and what I said to a lot of the fans. A few arguments online at the start, just saying. Give us some time, and I guarantee you we'll we'll be there or thereabouts at the end of the season. Has has come true, so yeah, very good. Well, yeah, many congrats again. Um, let's sort of start by jumping straight in in your early career at Rovers. Um, so you famously grew up a Rovers fan in a Rovers family, um, and I think that means a lot to supporters seeing sort of one of our own come through and play for the football club. Um, can you take us back to where it all started for you and when when you first signed for the youth team and how that came about? Obviously, I just started playing locally as a kid, and I actually signed for Bristol City to, City to start with. Um, <laughs> obviously, they had a better youth setup, which at the time was probably the thing that sort of got me. You know, they they obviously came to watch me and offered me to go training. And I don't know if there was there wouldn't have been contracts or anything like that back then. I was probably only sort of eight or nine, but we trained twice a week, sometimes three times a week, and obviously had games and stuff like that. So I was doing that. I'm not putting a time frame on it's difficult because it's a long time ago now but it kind of got a little bit too much at the end and it was obviously driving from Filton all the way over to, to Redwood Lodge you know twice a week it was tough for my parents as well trying to get that after finishing work and then driving me over there and I think I sat down with my dad at the time and, and my mum and we kind of said like 
you know, is, is a little bit much. Obviously, you, you go to school every day, you then you're training two, three times a week for, for an hour or two. So in the end, we kind of just put a little feeler out to Rovers and they, they just took me there straight away. We Training was only once a week. You, you just play games and mess around, really. It wasn't nowhere near as serious. Um, but obviously, looking back now, the time I did have at Bristol City, learning all the techniques, all the skills that it was getting drilled into us every sort of session we, we'd spend hours doing different turns different techniques and obviously now looking at my game what it's been based on the past 15 years is it's probably what got me where I where I have been because the technical side of my game is probably my strong point so obviously I'm thankful for the, that period of, of being at Bristol City I'd my parents didn't like pictures of me in the kit at the time but it has probably helped eventually to get me where I was because I was never the biggest kid and, and never the strongest, but technically I was, you know, one of the best. So at that time it was a difficult one um, because they sort of based a lot of stuff on the bigger kids getting contracts, but obviously it all worked out in the end. Yeah. So what you're saying is we've got Bristol City to thank for your three promotions at Bristol Rovers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far, but I mean, when you go off, you know, from the park, just playing for a bit of fun to then, to then training two, three times a week, and it was intense. It, 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 if you couldn't do a, a skill, you'd just keep practicing until you did it. And I remember that well. We'd done a lot of fitness stuff. It was all, it was all proper. Um, and at the time, it did get a bit too much. But obviously, the stuff I had learned there has, has obviously helped me throughout my career. Yeah. Yeah, and you're actually released from the Rovers Youth Program. At yeah. a young age, weren't you? And then re-signed later uh, when you were 16 because you, you were playing for Bitten, I think, at the time. Yeah, I got... I mentioned again the, the stuff with with my size and stuff. So, yeah, I think it's probably 15 when when lads were getting offered YTS contracts. I was released, um, told by the manager at the time that I wasn't going to be big enough or strong enough, um, along with a few other things, which at the time for me, it was like, right, well, that's it. Like, let's just... Let's just knock football on the head now and and um, try and concentrate on something else. So that was when I when I went to college then and just started kind of trying to plan something else around for football. But that kind of worked out the best thing for me at the time because at, at the college I played for the football academy. I travelled all over the world playing different tournaments, um, played for England colleges, England schoolboys. <clears throat> Whilst obviously these lads at Rovers were you know, going in, cleaning boots and doing all the YTS dirty jobs. And I'm not, I don't think any one of those players that actually got signed when, when I was released went any further than the YTS stages anyway. So, um, I think that probably helped me And you know, they say everything happens for a reason. And at the time it didn't feel like that, but now when I look back at it, it was, it was the best thing to happen to be fair. Yeah. So when when they re-signed you later, was there then a sense of of proving them wrong? Yeah, it was obviously I was at Filton. So when when the Rovers reserves were playing, they they were sort of built up a little bit of a link with Filton College, and so like a couple of the, if there was never enough for the bench or something, then a couple of the lads from the college would would help make up the numbers. Really, um, the crazy thing was at the time that a lot of the players that we were producing at the college were actually better than what was playing at the time so a lot of us were finding ourselves sort of playing reserve football quite quite often and that was when I think Ian Atkins was in charge at Rovers I actually signed on a non-contract basis at the time which 
I was I think pretty much I was there to make up the numbers and if there was a space on the bench I'd I'd get that last space if everyone else was injured and stuff like that. Um then obviously he went and trolls took over and Lenny and it only took a couple of reserve games then for them to to spot me and a few others and offer us pro deals. So yeah, it was a chance for me to prove myself again and try and I suppose in my head I was thinking, right, I don't need to be released again because two of them would, would probably be in the end of it and I'd probably be doing something else now. So I kind of just took that chance and had to be patient. But in the end, I got my chance and obviously took it. Yeah, so lo- lots of lads sort of play for the academy at all age groups, but very few actually sort of emerge into the first team um, yeah. at every club. And most are released, um, to be honest. And yeah. in recent years, we've seen the likes of Alfie Kilgore emerge. And in the past, we've had Tom Lockyer, Ellis Harrison, Ollie Clark, etc. From from your perspective, what what does it take to be that one lad out of a hundred who makes it through to the first team? You have to have the ability at the, start, at the end of the day, but obviously there's stuff that go with that, and you see a lot of kids who are talented just fall by the wayside. So there are there's so many aspects. It, I don't think people who are on the outside realise just how difficult it is, you know, to to be that one person, like you say, that clubs are producing more you know young players nowadays but I think that's got a lot to do with the finances obviously if they can bring in players from the youth team and develop them into first team players um, they're on lesser wages to start with and if they really blossom you know they're, they're looking at a big financial gain from from selling them on so I think back then it was it was so much harder it, the time when I sort of signed at Rovers there was you know the club is in a good place. There was there was very limited options for for youth players at that point. I think obviously Lewis Haldane was the main kind of stay in the team. Um, but other than that, in terms of players that have come through, there wasn't really anyone. So it's hard because you see some players play you know twenty twenty five games and then they sort of fall by the wayside. Like I say again, so. I was always told it until you've played 100 games, you haven't made it. So um, I think especially, obviously, being from Bristol and knowing the amount of youth football and stuff in this city, that there should be a lot more people making it as pros and and having careers in the game. I think there's probably a handful of people that are from Bristol that have played professionally over the past sort of five, ten years and, and really made a career out of it, which is surprising for how big the city is. And when I'm talking about I'm talking playing a hundred games, two hundred games, you know, I'm not talking about lads just coming on here and there. It's it's quite surprising. I think that's something that me personally I'll look at maybe trying to help with in the future. And that there's definitely a, a hole in the market somewhere in Bristol for a lot more players coming through and, and, and having a career in football. And like I say, that that means 200, 250 games, do you know what I mean? So it would be yeah. nice to see more people do it. But like I say, yeah, it's, it's not easy. And I think the, the proof's in the pudding really, like I say, with the amount of players that actually have broken through and, and had a career is, is not many. Yeah, I mean, even looking at Rovers, Tom Lockyer and Ellis Harrison were both from Cardiff, weren't they? So yeah. um, it's, it's it's not even the case that most of the no, players no. who come through are from 
the club's original. It's, it's one thing that baffles me because, like I say, there's so many. Every field you go to on a Sunday, there's hundreds of kids playing football. That they love it. Do you know what I mean? It's a massive city with all the facilities are are unbelievable, and you've got two massive clubs that that have got youth setups. And like I say, yeah, it'd be nice to see a few more sort of people adding to obviously the likes of myself and there was Colskew at Bristol City and obviously you got Bristol City have done pretty well to be fair the last few years obviously with Joe and Bobby and, and people like that so it's nice to see it happening and hopefully that, that they can produce more numbers over the next 10 years yeah it definitely seems to be improving as time and facilities have improved like you say yeah. um, so fingers crossed for that um Going back to your early career and your debut, um, what do you remember about your debut? I've got it written down that Paul Trollope brought you on for a five-minute substitute against Chester. Yeah, that's the one. Can you talk me through that experience and what it was like? It's weird because like, it felt like I was out there for 20 minutes. So every time I speak about it, I say, yeah, I think about 15, 20 minutes at the end of the game. But then when I looked, I'm sure it was like 86 or something. But it, it just felt like so much longer. I think, I can't remember what the score was, but I know I came on and I think I think we were winning maybe so it was kind of a case of I came on on the wing I think it was right wing started probably my first few seasons he started kind of playing me on the wing um, I just remember coming on my first touch was a tackle and I always laugh and joke because I've, I've it's probably still my best tackle I've ever made till now so <laughs> <laughs> I've only made a handful of tackles in my career and that was probably my best one and I just remember doing this tackle and the crowd noise, which obviously is something I never experienced before. And I was like, right, well, this is what it's about. Like, you, you get on this pitch, and you f- when you hear that, you finally sort of think, right, well, this is this is where I want to be. Like, obviously, especially being a fan for me, it was you know not long before that I was stood on the terraces watching. So to actually be on the pitch and doing it was was that motivation you need really. And I think we won the game in the end, and that was sort of my kickstart into just making a few sub appearances here and there. Um, and obviously working my way up eventually. Yeah, because that was sort of the the tail end of. Uh, yeah, I think it was towards the end yeah. of the season. Um, I think you made four four sub appearances before the season ended. Yeah, um, and I think you did get a start against Macclesfield. Yeah, I got that. dragged at half time. I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk us through that? Guy, just just so nervous. Like honestly, the first sort of like twenty thirty games just so nervous obviously just going from the terraces to the pitch it's like mm. but I think like it does take a while to get used to um, that took you about 30 games to sort of adjust to that sort of it was nerves. mad yeah like just I was yeah I was speaking about it to one of the young lads at Northampton the other day because he was saying about getting cramped and stuff and I was like well when I started I just remember getting cramped all the time and listen I was always at the front of the run in pre-season and but I, I cramped up quite a lot towards the start of my career. Every time I was starting a game, sort of like 60, 70 minutes, I was getting cramped. And I think it was probably just down to nerves. And obviously in the end, you do conquer that and everyone's different. And, you know, like is, they say nerves are a good thing, but I don't think necessarily that was the case with me at, the, at that point because obviously it was, took a bit of getting used to. And as a, as a manager, you want to be able to rely on a player to go out there and be confident. So... um I think it was kind of, I don't know if it was the season after that or the one after that when I played probably 45, close to 50 games. Then you get used to it then and it's it's like second nature then. Yeah. You pick a couple little routines and superstitions that you do, which helps out stuff like that. And you just literally become a, it's like being a robot then. 
you just become repetitive and like I say it's like second nature and you kind of basically well I guess get used to it and once you've done that you've you sort of cracked it then it's all down to you then really yeah yeah so, so your second season your first full season I guess uh, Robes were famously promoted through the playoffs um, yeah you only made seven appearances that season. Um, yeah. Were you disappointed not to be involved more in that campaign? Do you know what? It's it's one of that. Like I, I still kind of a fan then, so it was like right. Well, I'm involved with the squad. I'm, I'm kind of like still thinking, is this actually happening? So I'm like, right. Well, I'll just go with the flow. You know, yeah. a lot of times it was a lot of travelling and football was different back then when you were one of the young ones you'd be up and down with the coach making cups of tea for the staff or everyone else you, you literally now it's different the young guys just sit at the front with their headphones on and get away with murder <laughs> but I just remember back then me and Darren Mullins just up and down the coach from, on the way from like Hartlepool and for some reason there were so many long trips that year I can remember it and I remember going to Carlisle I wasn't in the squad and I had to do the commentating. I was thinking, what's going on here? Like, I'm not being paid to be a commentator. I, I want to be at least on the bench. Um, yeah. I had some good kind of incentives in my contract to, to to get on the bench as well. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm losing out of money here as well. And at the start, you're kind of thinking, right, well, I'm still watching a game. This is the club I support. I'm still part of it. But then after a while, I think this is where... For me personally, I started that kind of winning mentality and a little bit of a selfish mentality of I want to be playing. And if I don't play, I don't really want to be here, to be honest. So I thought I'm going to have to do something to, to make sure I play. And I yeah. think I did that eventually. So Did did you not feel alone at that stage would have would have benefited you? Yeah, I think there was talk of that. There was, there was stuff like back then with maybe Forest Green and something like that, but because I was sort of just in and off the bench, it was, Trolls always said, like, you're this close, you're this close, so just just stick at it. And, you know, I'm glad I did in the end because going out alone at that point might not have been the best thing because maybe I would have done all right and then he would have went, right, well, I can guarantee you're going to get football there and I might have ended up signing for the other club. So I think the best thing I did in the end was just stuck it out, really, because just kept banging on the door, had good pre-season and... Obviously, I, I think my my first main season of playing, I was actually playing left wing, which was obviously, for me, I was just happy playing. And obviously, I was fit as hell then, and I could kind of cut inside and pass. And I think that was the season we had a good FA Cup run when we got to like the quarterfinals. So we had some great games. I think that was the kind of year that I really got my foot in the door. Um, good games against like Fulham and stuff like that helped. And I think after that is when I sort of signed a my first kind of proper contract and sort of clocked up 40, 45 games, I think maybe that year. And that was when I thought, right, well, we'll kick starting here. So I've got to, got to keep my place in the middle. Obviously it was difficult because we, we had Diz and Cams who were both obviously older than me and Cams was captain and he was a guaranteed to play every week. So it's kind of about kind of me and Diz just fighting for positions. And I just thought, right, I've got to get this position and, Worst case, I'll play on the wing, but really, I want to be playing centre mid, and I've got to prove to him that I can play in centre mid. So, yeah, I think I kind of stapled my place down. Yeah, in that next season. Do you think like experienced pros like Hinton and Disley and Campbell did they sort of take you under their wing at all, or was it? Yeah, no, nah, we had such a good squad that year. It was it was good fun. We we had a good social. We had 
football it's weird because it was even a little like we're probably talking what 12 13 years ago but it was different then it was we we you know we'd have nights out we'd go for like a beer during the week and we had such a good social squad i think that obviously helped with that promotion and then the next few seasons we had such a good bunch of lads who got on well on and off the pitch and it is a rare thing in football especially it's, it's different nowadays because obviously there's so many camera phones and all that about but you know we'd finish training on a tuesday and then we'd just all go down the pub and play snooker play pool like we'd have a laugh watch the football and you know it was yeah. something i think built us as a team and everyone just got on and that was the success we had over the next sort of three four years up until obviously we we eventually got relegated but that season's obviously a, a different yeah matter different story. to talk about here yeah we'll go and cover that in a bit um so after after the promotion from uh from league two um fortunately you didn't make the appearance at Wembley despite going no. uh, that will come later um following the promotion we were, we were playing in league one which is a higher level um yeah. how did you sort of go about establishing yourself as a first team player then and what were sort of the main challenges in making that step up like you said you were competing with Disley for that second centre mid yeah. spot um, but it was also a higher standard so did you find that an additional challenge on top of competing with the squad members? I think it was a case of just proving that I could do play in that centre midfield with, with Cam's um, you know I've never been a physical player and back then I think that was probably the worries of the, the management my defensive side so obviously I did a did some work on that um, but uh, it kind of worked well with Cams because he'd obviously sit in and then I'd just just burst forward get in the box at every chance possible and the main reason I got in that team and stayed in it was was probably my goal scoring in a couple of seasons I think, I think I've got 11 or 12 goals in one of the seasons so from centre mid uh, not being on pens obviously that was a that was a good season for me um, yeah. I think from that moment you know, driving with the ball and and getting goals and being instrumental in assists and stuff like that. Sort of that was keeping me in the side then. So yeah. I think the goals I got in those few seasons was was massive. And goals from midfield is always always big. So we had a lot of goals from midfield that year. To be fair, with with Jeff Hughes as well. Um, looking back at that team, you know, we, it was a hell of a team and we had some good times. Yeah, it was you know Hughes. I think Hughes got about eleven or twelve goals in one season. The same season you got eleven. What would you say, fourteen yeah. goals? Yeah, it was, um, I, I, yeah, it was around that. Yeah, Hughes he was on pens though, so he he, he probably <laughs> if, if I would have been on pens, I would have been not far off twenty. I reckon <laughs> twenty goals a season for that must have got me a move. That surely <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't and nothing will yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, the, the first season you made 27 appearances uh, and we did have that FA Cup run you spoke about. Yeah. Which you played eight of the nine FA Cup games, I believe, in which we reached Yeah, that was finals. a good run, that, yeah. I always yeah. watched a few videos back of that. It was... Yeah. Do you want to talk to me a little bit about that Cup run? Because it seemed like unbelievable, but every game we just kept winning round after round. Yeah, I can't. The, the, the earliest I can remember is Barnet. So I don't know if there was a game before that. Um, I remember playing Barnet away. Um, I remember because Jason Punchin was playing and obviously he's gone on to bigger and better things. I think we won that and then we, I, I can remember Southampton at home. That would have been, that was on TV. Um, yeah. That would have been probably one of my first times playing on TV. I remember winning that and then obviously, was that before or after Fulham? I can't even remember. I can't remember either. I was quite young. But yeah, I think Fulham was the big one. I think when we played them away, I remember getting the papers the next day 
and I had quite a lot of good write-ups from from the from the national newspapers and stuff like that. Um, and then obviously in the away leg, going up there with eight thousand Rovers fans in the away end was was amazing. Um, and obviously bringing them back to the home game and, and winning on pens, we sort of set ourselves up, I think, for a nice tie eventually. But then we, we, I remember all being sat down in the in the stand watching the draw, and there was loads of big teams left, and we drew West Brom, didn't we? Yeah. So it was like at home as well, and the pitch back then was was like a cow field, so we were kind of open for a big one, and then they spanked us like four 0 or four one, didn't they? So it was like a bit of an anticlimax in the end, but. You obviously still look back at that, and you know, it's, it's, I'm not sure we were League One or League Two then, but to get that far, not many teams from that level get. I think it was the quarterfinals, wasn't it? So yeah. It's also that that away Fulham game's got that very famous video. I don't know if you've seen it of um, you taking that free kick yeah, for the no, goal with all nice the Brovers fans and yeah, that's I think I've got that saved somewhere on my phone. Yeah, yeah singing Good singing moments. Irene and, and just as, just as it finishes, yeah. it gets headed in the goal. So yeah, no, that was I think that was in my head. I was thinking right, this, this is what football's all about, and you know I'm lucky to be doing this at the minute. Because if I wasn't on the pitch, I would have probably been in the stand with those 8,000 fans. So um, you don't forget moments like that. that I'm lucky because I've had quite a lot since. But even if I didn't, I'd always remember that. So Yeah. Um, let's quickly, before we move on to the relegation season, talk about your first goal. Because uh, it's something every gasser probably dreams of growing up. Yeah. Um, you included, no doubt. Uh, can you remember the goal and was it everything you imagined as a kid? Do you know what? It's weird because I scored, we played Carlisle, I think, at home. I don't know what's officially gone down as my first goal. And I still it says it's Carlisle, that. yeah. It yeah, because it was a header as well, I think. I think I headed, I always used to run across the near post. Trolls wanted me to just get across the front post to kind of distract the front man. I glanced the header on, I think. And it sort of hit the goalie's legs and went through them. And obviously, I ran off celebrating and um, got to half time. And, and Hintz was trying to claim it. But then there was an, I, I got a feeling I thought I'd scored two in that game. And Hintz tried claiming them both. So I never knew if it officially went down as, as mine or not. But I think not far after that, I scored one against Port Vale, which was like a deflected one. And so, yeah, it's, it, I never quite. I remember the feeling of running off and celebrating and then looking behind and Hintz is running the other way celebrating. So I was like, well, I don't know if that's my goal or not. But <laughs> if it's officially gone down, then it's officially gone down. So I can claim that one now. It's only took 15 years to find out <laughs> it actually scored it. But well, it says on Wikipedia, so it must be true. Yeah, it's, uh, exactly. But yeah. Whatever is said on there, so it's yeah. true. Yep. Um, yeah, the season after that, you played every game except one because you picked up a suspension for over-celebrating a late equaliser against Swindon. Oh, yeah. I watched that the other day. That was close. <laughs> that was a good feeling, though. Dangerous low ball. And Lines! Right in the corner! Chris Lines! With a superb strike! 
his third of the season. Is it worth the red card? That was well worth the red card. <laughs> and the Apart fine? from, I didn't get a fine. The troll said, I'm not going to fine you because I understand what. But we had Hartlepool away on the Tuesday and he said, but you're going to be travelling to Hartlepool. <laughs> so I was like, jeez, I probably would have preferred Taking the fine, fine, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> so I remember going up to Hartlepool and I had to do some fitness work in the hotel before and then I sat in the away end at Hartlepool. Oh. I think we won, to be fair, but yeah, it was forgot about and I actually spent a lot of the lockdown kind of like watching old videos and just sort of trying to get as soon as we knew we were going back for the playoffs, I thought, right, I'm going to get my mindset sorted and watch some old clips. And that one popped up. I think they had the full game on there, actually. And it was literally a last kick of the game, which back then you kind of don't realise. But the minute I literally got to the tunnel, the final whistle went. So it was one of them where this happened to me since actually I get sent off and then the other team score. So I didn't have time to, obviously, for the other team to score. And it was an equaliser, obviously, in a local derby left foot top corner so I was obviously going to jump in the fans and <laughs> if you can't jump in the fans then when, when, when can you jump no in? that's what I mean it was always going to happen I didn't even I can't even remember what the first booking was for I think I've might have threw the ball away I remember seeing it and I think that was a bit of a cheap one but then I, I, you don't even think about it when something like that happens I was gone I was in the, in the fans and that was that I was off the pitch and travelling to Hartlepool for punishment yeah, well, it seemed worth it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, so that, that season you were playing every game. You spoke about it earlier that you don't really think you've made it until you've made 200, 250 appearances. Mm. Uh, at that point, did you feel um, like you you were safe at Rovers? Like you, you had a secure place in the squad and you were going to have a, the career that you went on to have? I think so, yeah. I think my form in those two, two, two or three seasons leading up to the relegation was was really good and you know there was I think probably four or five championship and and even some bottom of the premiership type clubs looking at me that year um I was very close to signing for Southampton actually um and then their manager got sacked and it all fell through which is when I signed another contract at Rovers then um and I think that was the contract that I deserved at the time um I was playing week in, week out. That was, just, I think, that was the season when I, I scored all those goals. Um, and obviously, you know, when you first sign, you're on less money, and then you work your way up if you, if your performances. And obviously, at the time, the wage structure was was really good. Looking back at it now, it, it was unbelievable, actually. Um, so I was in a good position because I had a lot of clubs interested, um, so I could kind of use what they were offering against me to. To go and speak to Lenny. Lenny was obviously the he was like the mafia boss trying to <laughs> go and up speak to him. He'd been in football for about hundred years already by then. So it was we sort of most of the time you kind of just say yes or nod your head and, and listen to what he says. But I was like kind of in a good position where I could say, I'm playing week in, week out. I've got a lot of championship clubs interested. Like obviously I want to stay because I love playing for this team. Um and in the end I, I kind of bargained a little bit and, and got what I wanted and I think when I signed that contract there it was in my head I was thinking right like this is it now like I, I can really crack on now and almost call myself a, a player and go on to have a good career so yeah that was a big season for me um, and obviously it, 
I think I signed a three-year deal or maybe a three-and-a-half-year deal. So um, that was massive for me. And I had a fairly good time leading yeah. up to, to the relegation season, which was a bit of a shambles, to be honest. Yeah, let's let's jump into that then, because it's probably one of the darker seasons. It, yeah, this could over. take a while, this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's start at the start then. Um, it was a season where it was a bit of a roller coaster that saw Paul Trollope sacked. Dave Penny came into the club, but failed to get us going. For an optimistic and uh, hopeful resurgence under Stuart Campbell saw us fall just shy yeah. of safety but um, yeah, where do we start with this season uh, previously Rovers have always sort of finished, uh, finished mid-table yeah. had that one season we were promoted um, when did you first get a sense that this was not going to be a run-of-the-mill season obviously we, we didn't have a good start and when Trolls and Lenny went you know was that the right decision at the time it probably seemed so for the fans but if they would have stayed would we have been safe I think yes I think if they would have been given the season, we'd, we would have been fine. Um, saying that, you you get rid of a management duo like that, which is probably fair at a time. Results weren't coming and managers are always the first to, to kind of take the blame. So you have to replace them with people that are going to get you out of it. And instead of doing that, we ended up getting worse. Like the signings we were making were... Well, I probably, I'm not going to swear, <laughs> but we actually went from a slight kind of downward to literally hitting rock bottom. And we knew there were still senior players there then. Do you know what I mean? There was there was lads in that dressing room from previous years, and it was kind of a you're seeing players come through the door, or you're seeing the teams being picked on a Saturday, and you're thinking, hold on, what, what is going on here? Like we'd go in for we'd lose on the Saturday, we'd have a meeting on the Monday and the manager would come in and say this, this and everyone, I wasn't a senior lad then, but I'd, I'd probably played enough games to say I knew what I was on about and, you know, you had people like Colsey and stuff around who'd been there and done it and the amount of arguments we were having on Mondays about this is right or well, that's right and just then you knew that something wasn't going to be right you need a manager that the players respect, understand, and, and respects his knowledge really, because otherwise it's a bad recipe. And I think three or four of the players that he brought in made more of a negative impact than a positive. And my frustration that year was probably clear. I think I've, I've got about 13, 14 uh, yellow cards. I've got. I was banned for, I think, three or four games at one point. And you know what? At that time, I was thinking, I'm actually better off not playing at the minute because we are not picking up any points. We're not picking up anything. Like, no one was enjoying their football. And it took up until cams and, obviously, hints and stuff to take over for us to, to start playing again. And I think if they would have made that decision in the first place, we would have been mid-table, no, pub, no problem, because as soon as they took over, we started coming up again. And it kind of just shows that we wanted to play for them. The lads were enjoying training, the lads were enjoying games, we were having a laugh again. We were yeah. picking up good results, and it, obviously it was too little too late then, and we got relegated, I think, against Sheffield Wednesday, the penultimate game of the season. Yeah, so Trollope went uh, in December... We brought yeah. in Dave Penny just yeah. after Christmas. Um, 
from what you're saying there, a lot of the lads didn't really take to him as a manager. No, not at all, no. Um, so what, what was he like to work under then? Was he just, did he not listen to the senior pros or did he have his own I way of doing I don't think it's that kind of, yeah, like it was obviously completely different and the, the, the players he brought in were, were not adding anything to us in it. A lot of them were having probably detrimental effects on the the change room and on performances. Um, a lot of frustration from the players that we actually needed to to be a good team. No one was performing. Um, I'm not sure how many games he lasted, to be honest, but I'd imagine that the loss ratio was probably 70, 80 percent of those games. Yeah. 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 Um, you could see it from the sidelines, obviously being a supporter I can pick up on stuff like that and mm. it just wasn't a nice place to be at the time and like I say we, we had many a meeting to try and sort things out and it just wasn't it wasn't looking like we are going to turn the corner and after he went and Cam's came in we obviously did turn a corner but it was too late by then yeah yeah I think a lot of people agree that if, if that had happened that was the change that was made when Trollope was sacked we probably would have been alright um, yeah because it was quite close. The resurgence was was quite visible because like you said, I think we lost under Dave Penny. I think we, we'd lost about 80% of those games and I think we were winless or had one win in something like 18, 19 games. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Yeah. It was, um, I remember at the time, that was my first season going regularly, um, just struggling to... Yeah, I, was, I had must... the enthusiasm to go because it was my first season. It was my yeah. first ticket. But by the same token, it was not... You could sense that a lot of the fans wanted Penny out quite quickly. Um, I think kind of what the... Obviously, we had quite a lot of backlash after that season and I know a lot of fans were angry and, and saying, oh, yeah, the, the senior boys, Colsey, Linesy, Hoskins, blah, blah, blah. But that's up to the manager to, to manage people and, and do things properly. Um, you only had to see when Cam's took over how... It wasn't like we weren't trying, do you know what I mean? We'd go out there and try, but if the tactics weren't right and you're carrying three or four players every game, how are you going to get results? You know, we, we've gone from being such a strong team in that league to, to really struggling week in, week out. And it was it was tough for us as players who had been there through those good times to, to then be sort of having that period of time where we were just down in the dumps most weeks. And like I say, it was only till comes and hints come in yeah yeah no uh, players really changed after that because you couldn't sign anyone so the same players were there but the same players were doing a much better job yeah than they were previously so even some of the players dave penny brought in um was it jp kalala i think may have been one of his signings He, he played a pretty um, he played quite a few games under Campbell as well, so Campbell mm-hmm. was able, from an outside point of view, he did seem to be able to turn that dressing room around quite quickly and get results. I think you scored against Tranmere, is that right? Yeah. The first game? Yeah. Um, you came and scored the winner in a 1-0 win at there. Yeah. Um, and then we did go on a little bit of a run, a win at Yeovil, if I remember correctly. Um Winning against Bournemouth at home, uh, those are the ones that stick out to me. Um, but there was just a lot of games where we were, we were kind of winning, and I think we were letting in last-minute goals. I think I might remember like Bournemouth away or something like that. We conceded right near the yeah. end, and there was a lot of times that was happening, and it was just the mood was just so low. And do you know what? Like that's that's probably the only time I've been in a in a dressing room in an environment like that 
Mm. And rightly so, we got relegated in the end. What's it like being a part of a dressing room then, then that's sort of struggling at the bottom of the table? And how do you sort of... It was hard because like we've gone from this unbelievable unit of players socialising and having a laugh every day. You've got the jokers in the, in the dressing room to, to literally going in and it being like, geez, we lost again on the weekend. Like surely we're going to have a meeting and something's going to be sorted out now. Yeah. And nothing, just nothing ever got fixed. It, it got worse and worse. Mm. I missed missed a few games and remember seeing the scores thinking, God, I think we got hammered four or five nil away at Walsall. And it was like, oh, like what this has got to stop. Um, and I think the players knew what had to happen. And I can't remember how long it took, but, you know, it, it's clear to see the sort of the change in mood as soon as that decision was made. Like I say, the form we had with Cam's in charge would have had us mid-table, no problem, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, we we did get relegated, and um, that summer you left the football club to join Sheffield yeah. Wednesday. I don't think anyone, excuse me, I don't think anyone really begrudged you the move, as you'd proven you were sort of more than a more than capable League One midfielder, and we'd moved down yeah. the division to League Two. How did the decision to sort of move on come about? Um, and how difficult was it for you to sort of leave your boyhood club? To be fair, I had an offer from them in the summer, which I turned down. Um, my eldest girl now was was due to be born um, not long after I signed at, at Wednesday. So I kind of, I was taking a 25% pay cut because obviously we got relegated, but obviously that was when Paul Buckle was brought in and I hadn't had no communication with him. I was at the gym one day and... I think there was probably only two or three of us left, one there that hadn't been released. I think there was me. I think Cam's was still there. And I think Joker four maybe. Yeah, Elliot Richards was, as well, I think. Yeah, I was chatting to someone at the gym and he said, Oh, the new manager's around there and I was like, Oh, that's funny because like I haven't spoke to him yet. Um and then he he went round to see him, he said, Oh, tell him to come around and speak to me. So obviously I went and spoke to him and explained my situation and he said he basically said to me, I've I've heard you want to leave. I said, look, you've heard wrong. Um, I'm willing to stay. I said, like, I'm not worried about the money, to be honest. Like, uh, my daughter's going to be coming soon. And, you know, realistically, I want to try and stay settled here for for a bit. Um, he said, right, well, that's great news. Make sure when you come back pre-season, you're fit and, and show me what, what you're going to do. And I went back pre-season. I smashed all the running. I was feeling fitter than ever to be honest obviously I'd just finished that season for me even though we got relegated my form was was good um, and then played all through pre-season I was captain he was like I'm gonna gonna make you captain for the for this season um, so that was another incentive for me to kind of step up um, I think the first game was uh, Wimbledon away and I think we travelled up in the morning and we got to the hotel to have food and he pulled me over and said, oh, I'm, I'm not going to start you today. Um, I'm going to play. I think it was Craig Stanley at the time and Matt Gill. Um, listen, two great lads. I'm, I'm mates with Stanners now and we, we've we've been friends since then. But I knew at that moment there that there was something else going on because Billy, everything, is, but I should have been in that team. And I just thought, right, well, this is obviously his way of kind of maybe saying you're not part of the plans. And I think I came on in that game and we won. Um, but then after that game, I think 
I had another offer. I had a phone call from Wednesday then, and my agent just said, look, they've they've offered you this, this three-year deal. I was like, let's do it. Um, literally got in my car, drove up there, signed, and then went straight to Hillsborough to watch a game. Um, I think that was on a Wednesday night, and then on the Thursday, trained, and then we got on a on a private jet down to Bournemouth for for a for a League One fixture. So, um, yeah, it was a sudden change, but obviously it worked out perfectly for me as well. Yeah, what what I don't understand is if 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 a manager tells you he's in your plans, yeah. and then he changes his mind and you're not in your plans, why why wouldn't he come to you and just say, look, circumstances have changed? Why the why the sort of silence and the lack of communication? But, I've that was kind of I don't know Paul Buckle as a person and to be fair I, I don't know too much about him or I've never seen him or spoke to him since so I, I don't actually like to bump into him one day and, and kind of ask him but for me I feel like he was probably getting pressured from above to whether it was to get me off the wage bill because even though I took a pay cut I was probably still one of the highest earners at the time I just feel that he was being pressured from above to to try and like I say, there was only two or three of us left, and I think he literally wanted everyone out that was part of that relegation season. Um, and I think that was kind of... I might be wrong, and I'd be interested to ask him, to be fair, one day, but I just feel that he was being pressured from above maybe to try and just maybe upset me a little bit. And for me, it's, it's always been the case. If, if I'm not playing, I'm not interested. Um, mm. So he kind of made my decision for me with that one game. And it worked out perfectly for me. And when I look back at it, I just, I, I think, why didn't I just sign for them straight away? Because <laughs> it, it was a silly idea staying around in Bristol for, for those extra few months just to potentially lose that opportunity it would have been silly. So I'm glad they came knocking again and got my chance to go there. Yeah. And, and you went and won your second promotion at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, yeah. Do you feel you needed time away from from Rovers to develop further? And what was it like playing for a team that wasn't your boyhood club? Yeah, no, it, it, I'd never been anywhere else in Bristol. You know, my family was in Bristol. I had no friends up there. Um, I my friends and my social scene was in Bristol. It was, you know, I'd played against other players, but when I turned up at Sheffield, I I kind of knew one player, and that was it. So first of all, I was like, it's going to be hard work, but. Luckily, I got friendly with one of the other guys that was on loan at the time and and things went amazing. But looking back at it now, yeah, it was the best thing because getting away from Bristol at that time was good. Um, a lot of people were getting involved in my business and it was affecting my family and and stuff. like. So it was just constant. Obviously, because we'd been relegated, it was just constant online, just rumours and, and, and silly stuff, really, which back then I didn't really understand because obviously I was new to the game and I didn't really know how to, to take it all back then. So um, moving up there was the best thing I did. I still got a load of stick off Rovers fans when I moved there, but um, that was the best thing I ever did and getting up there, making a new set of friends and just seeing another part of the world and, and experiencing, not saying that Rovers isn't because the fan base and everything like that makes it, but a proper football club run properly in terms of an yes, unbelievable training ground you go in yeah it's a different world i'm like i'm going in and 
at Rovers that year, we trained at Imperial and, and we were, we didn't get food. We, we didn't, we had to take our own kit home to wash. And I know that sounds silly, but that is kind of part of being a footballer. You, you, you have a kit man and you get stuff done. And I turn out to Sheffield Wednesday, I've got my own locker with my name on. I've got like a little safe above with, and like now I think that's silly because I've, I've got used to it, but my kit's all ready. Like my boots are there. When I finish, I just chuck my boots in the, in the thing and next day I turn up there clean. It's like, wow. So, and then you turn up to the stadium, there's 25,000 fans there. The history of Hillsborough. And it probably took me a couple of games to re- to think. And I was like, right, this is this is something special. Um, I need to make sure I play it because we got a good chance. Obviously, they were expecting to get promotion. It was, it was a tough start for, up there, actually, to be fair. And it was hard just being a part of that team. They're used to seeing Premiership football and all of a sudden you've got bloody Chris Lines from from Bristol Rovers coming and running on the pitch and no one's got absolute Scooby who I am so um, we done well that year to to get promotion and I still get messages today about about obviously Pippin Sheffield United to promotion that year was that goes down in history at that club and to be part of that something I would have never thought I'd be achieving you know when I was 15, 16 and getting released yeah yeah, comes around quickly. Um, mm. On that topic, did you play in the Bristol Derby and when we played them in the Johnson's Tank Trophy? No, I was on the bench both games. Oh, I remember I had a chance of starting in the second game because I think Diz was injured. But yeah, I was on the bench both games and then I came on in the final um, against Doncaster. Yeah, so you've never actually played a Bristol Derby? No, just oh. on the bench. Is that like the but, one thing you wish you could have been a part of at Rovers? Yeah, it would have been nice. Um, it would have been nice to do it sort of three, four seasons ago when we had that team in mm. League One. Um, I know they were in the champ at the time and they, they were very decent, but it would have been a good game of football, that would. Yeah, yeah, it would have been good. Rather than then play the side that got relegated to the to the non-league. Yeah, that's mm. it. Obviously, I, not I, I watched that on TV and... It was like men versus boys, so yeah, yeah, not ideal. But um, yeah, you returned to the club in the fourteen fifteen season, initially on loan from Port Vale. Um, yeah, how did that move come about, and why did you want to return to the club at that point? I kind of was in and out of the team at Port Vale, and not necessarily enjoying it at the time. And I think I was looking at a loan move around January, but then obviously. Um, that window passed, carried on playing and I was a little bit in and out and then probably more out than in and just living, living so far away from Bristol was, was hard. Um, I actually think the first thing I was going to do was go to Forest Green on loan. Um, but then I kind of looked and thought, well, Rovers are in the same league. Um, I just rang my agent on the off chance and said, I, I spoke to my mum first. I said, what? She was the one that probably, can take credit for me coming back actually because so why don't you just that speak to Rovers right, it makes sense she obviously wanted me to, to come home <laughs> um, so I said to my agent I just said what do you reckon he said oh, I'll give him a call and so just it's worth a chance and I think he must have rang the chairman and I was kind of half expecting the chairman to say not a chance after the, the kind of the way I left the club and stuff like that but I think he's he, he jumped to the chance spoke to Daryl Clark and 
I don't think he knew too much about me at the time. I didn't know anything about him. So it was a bit of a gamble on both our parts. But I just thought, you know what? It's first, I just seen something and I thought, I, I can help help them here. I can drop him from League One to the conference. I know that there's going to be an influence I can have on that team, um, especially in home games on nice pitches. I, I knew there was going to be a, an influence I could have. And I suppose it sort of couldn't have gone any better, to be honest, um, from the minute I came back to to lifting the trophy at Wembley everything went to plan yeah you certainly made it look very easy to assist on your returning game at Halifax yeah. and um, it must have been a very different experience for you playing in, in the conference yeah that first Halifax game was mad um, but you know what I enjoyed it I speak to the lads now and I enjoyed that I think it made me because obviously we had a, we had the best team and we were winning 3-4-0 in the home games and away games were, were new stadiums I haven't been to and new experiences which required different kind of skill sets and different sort of mentalities and you know playing on pitches like Halifax was it was fun I enjoyed it and it could have gone completely the other way though I could have hated it do you know what I mean if we wouldn't have got promotion or, or I wouldn't have played too well or we we maybe would have just finished the season averagely it would have been a bit of a nightmare but it kind of had that feel about it that we were always going to do it and I watched a few old interviews I did before the final and I just knew we were going to win it I didn't even have a thought in my head thinking we're not going to win it so yeah yeah I mean you you were previously the up-and-coming player in the squad but on your return you're sort of about 30 years old when you came back yeah an experienced head and yeah was it nice returning as like a mentor figure to the younger lads yeah I think not only to the to the lads, to the fans as well. Um, I think I still had a little bit to prove from when I'd left before. So um, coming back and knowing what I'd done in those last five years, you know, played played in League One, got promotion to the Championship, played in the Championship for a bit, gone back to a decent club in Port Vale and played constantly in League One. They maybe when I did get that move, was probably thinking, oh, he's not going to go and play there or. You know, we've just got relegated. He's not even had a good season. But I always say, to be fair, like even though we did get relegated, obviously I must have done something right because Gary Megson came knocking on the door. Who we'd obviously played against twice that season and he must have seen something he liked. And, you know, that's a manager that's worked predominantly in the Premier League for most of his career. So um, I think knowing what I'd done in that time was only going to help the lads when I did come back. And... Obviously, there was pressure on me, um, but I enjoyed that. I enjoyed it because playing at that level, like it wasn't easy for me, but it was it was comfortable, and it was I knew I could have a big effect on on games. And I think in the, both the semis and the final, I think when I watch it back, it, I did have a big effect on on all three of those games. So that was something that I aimed to do, and and luckily I managed to carry it out and when you're surrounded by players like we had at that time, that was an unbelievable dressing room as well. Um, as soon as I came back, it was, you could just tell that we had the, the recipe to do it and we had some great times. There's some very good players, which helped. Um, we had some great leaders. We had that mix of both and and obviously an unbelievable coaching staff as well and everything just pointed in the right direction and I think that's what, that would have paid off. I think if we would have had that 
that squad of players, what we finished the season with at the start, we would have probably won the league by 10, 15 points. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were chasing Barnet neck and neck every week. Yeah. Whatever, whatever result we got, they seemed to match. And yeah. you know, if, we, if we started a lot stronger, we definitely would have been there or thereabouts. Um, yeah, the, the playoffs, I want to talk about those because, like you said, you were quite influential in those three games. Um, particularly the second leg at home, uh, we yeah. scored a very memorable goal to put us 2-0 yeah. um, up on aggregate. You want to talk us through that, that dummy and then the, the finish? Munkhouse in a good position. Matt Taylor going into the box, though. That was unexpected. Blissett! Oh, yes! Oh, yes, Chrissy Lines! Yeah, no, I, I'd still say to 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 this day and you know you always remember your goals and I always remember my goals at the Mem especially that was the loudest sort of reaction I've had to any goal um, and the biggest buzz I've had um, probably because the game was a little bit fragile at the time I think they started quite well they had a few early chances um, but I think that goal kind of put it to bed and after that we were comfortable and I think it did take that it was going to take something like that to I think I watched the highlights not long ago and I think Gozzi blasted a few wide Matty kind of didn't look like scoring in the first half so there probably was a little bit of nerves and and the atmosphere that day was probably one of the best ones so yeah I'm just glad that that went in and that kind of feeling after that goal was was probably in the top top five of my career easily yeah, it was a very strong performance, which which led us to the playoff final with a lot of momentum and optimism. Really, um, yeah. You made your first Wembley appearance in that final. Um, yeah. Obviously, you played at the Millennium Stadium. Um, you started the game against Grimsby. Did you know you were going to start? Did you have a feeling? Because you obviously obviously were starting most games at that point. Yeah, I, yeah. I knew I was going to be. I just knew I had to keep myself fit in the week leading up not get any injuries or anything in training, just take it easy in training. And I knew I had a massive part to play in that final. Um, obviously, with it, probably more experience than the majority of playing in front of big crowds, with my experience uh, at Wednesday, that was always going to help. Um, and I think after a shaky kind of start, I sort of took it on myself to, to just try and seek out the ball and try and to get us playing a little bit, really, because we were looking a bit shaky and, I think probably them scoring actually helped us really because we kind of settled down a bit and once we weathered that early storm, our kind of match winners, as to speak, sort of came good. Um, I've seen Ellis do an interview saying he knew he was going to score and that was kind of how I was feeling with the result. I just knew knew we were going to win and I don't think anyone panicked after they scored and it could have gone either way, to be honest. We We were actually not the best that day, but... I think four or five of our lads had very good games and, and the rest kind of just watched it go by. But it doesn't matter. It literally doesn't matter because we practiced our penalties the day before and, and that paid off. Yeah. The one moment I remember from your performance that day was, I think it was I think it was first half. Or it might have been an extra time, actually. Um, first half of extra time. You'd think you dribbled past about three players, got into the box and then hit it either straight at the keeper or wide. I can't remember which it was, but I just remember thinking if you'd scored that, it would have been like highlight reel everywhere. Cause yeah, no, there was, like four players. there was a few, few decent runs. Yeah. I think that's probably why I got cramped in extra time. <laughs> it was just chilled, chilled out a bit, but it was a crazy game. I watched like, uh, watch Manson and listen, locks do the thing the other day. And 
just come extra time with just bodies everywhere. I think I'm lying on my back at one point. I just had cramp everywhere and I was like, I've got to get up. And then I got up and I should have scored at the other end, actually, with a header. But if I would have scored a header at Wembley, that would have definitely gone down in the history books. So, yeah. um, But even when it got to pens, walking up and, and taking that first pen, I just knew I was going to score. And I think it's such a big thing in football believing because half the time if you believe it, the chances are you can achieve it. So... It's Chris Lines who will take the first kick for Rovers. Lines with a super start to the shootout. I watch it back now and get more nervous than when I actually took the pen that day. Yeah. I think I'm walking up, obviously, the first person walking up and bouncing the ball, just chilled out. Then I realised all the Grimsby fans are there, which I didn't even really notice on the day. Um, so I've gotten more nervous watching it back on YouTube than I probably felt that day. So we just obviously dispatched our penalties and we're lucky that their guy blazed it over. But I just, well, I think we all knew that that was what was going to happen. We knew we were going to get that win that day. And yeah, from that moment on, we really kicked on. Were you always going to take the first penalty? Was that something you put yourself forward for? Yeah, we practised the day before. Um, I said, I'm having the first one if it goes to pens. And we practised in that order. I'm not sure who was going to take them after that. I think there was a few people hiding on the halfway line. (laughs) But um, yeah, the first five were decided. And then I think it was a bit of a lottery after that. Yeah, yeah, a lot of big high pressure penalty taking the first one as well because if you miss that, it sort of sets the whole thing off balance. Yeah, I know, but I just, I just knew it wasn't gonna. I just, it was in my head. It was strange. I just, I knew which way I was going the whole time. Um, they wouldn't have seen me take any penalties, so I just, just knew where I was going and just done my run up that I usually did for free kicks and just thought, right, it's a, it's a free kick from from 12 yards so if you strike it nice enough it's, it's going in yeah yeah and the rest is history so you say well yeah trophy. that was the, that was the start of a, of a very good few years yeah so League 2 obviously the the momentum sort of carried us for most of that season was it a yeah. case of just continuing the work you were doing the season before or were there any sort of massive changes to the way Daryl wanted to approach things nah his whole approach was the same and he made some good signings obviously and kept kept our good players you know it was I'm a strong believer if a team gets promotion try and keep the base of that team that that got you there in the first place Um, we did that and then obviously we brought in players that that added to us Um, people like Bodes and you know he he ripped that league up that year and that's probably hats off to the manager to be fair because he came in on trial he was unfit and I know he had a reputation of being a good, skillful player. It took him probably four, six weeks to get fit. He'll admit that himself. But then as soon as he did, it was easy for him in that league. He, he was a different gear. You, you get him the ball out wide and you just know you're either getting a goal or an end product from it. So players like that were massive. Obviously, Matty had an unbelievable few seasons and you always need that. You need goals. Him and Ellis up top. I think Ellis got a few that year as well. So it was it was a good recipe and... I think we got what we deserved when you, when you think about that season. We we had such a good team. We could have gone on to even better things, to be fair. I think Northampton won it that year. and They had a, a very good team as well, and so did Oxford. So I think the three best teams went straight up in the end. Yeah, it, I mean, it didn't really feel probably until 
maybe December, like we were we were in the picture for yeah automatics because I remember there were a couple of games where probably at Christmas time I think we lost to Wickham one 0 away and I came out the ground thinking well we ain't doing anything this season yeah. it's just gonna be mid table um, but it wasn't until I think like February time we started to go on a bit of a run getting some good wins away at Dagenham and um, yeah. home wins as well and we just seemed to pick up the points to sort of and then it was a case of I think we're definitely going to make playoffs we look good enough for that and then I think the final eight games yeah, we just nailed of, it yeah the, from the Newport away game onwards I think yeah or one it was here we go all systems let's, let's push for that automatic spot I think that was the best thing the, the expectation wasn't even there do you know what I mean so it was yeah. but not at one point like you say until maybe that Newport game you think well We've actually got a chance here, you know. Right, even us as players, we're we're just playing game by game and enjoying it and thinking, you know what? Even if we finish mid-table, that's a good first season back in in this league. So it wasn't like you say until towards the end we just picked up a head of steam. And but even then, we you know we were we weren't necessarily keeping the an eye on other scores. I don't think it was up until I think it was York away. Maybe second last we game. Kind of, yeah. yeah, I think we were checking another score because we had a chance, but I think it might be in the Atkinson game, and we sort of realised that you know chances are we're going to go in the playoffs. But the way we're playing at the minute, there's a good chance we could go on and win these because we're playing mm. that well. Um, so we kind of go into the last game expecting playoffs, and you expect Atkinson to win. I think they won all their other home games that year, or at least scored and. And they go and draw nil nil. Yeah, mental day that day. Yeah, um, good fun. Do you want to talk me through your memories of of that game against Daggers? Um, yeah, I've watched it back a few times. Um, we played so well; we were actually a joke. I think we had about forty shots on goal. It could, it should have been probably ten two. The final <laughs> fair final score would have been, I reckon. <laughs> Their keepers had the best game of his life. Um. But we just kept going and going and going and we weren't lumping it. We were playing football. We were we were carving them open minute after minute. And it almost seemed it wasn't going to happen, but we just kept going. And when that goal went in, obviously you, you can't really describe it. And the whistle goes and everyone's cheering. And I'm thinking, well, why are we cheering? We don't even know the other score yet. Yeah. And then the the half the fans already on there and then someone shouts it out they drew nil nil and we're up and for about the next hour I just remember like not being able to breathe properly there was just so many people around me like lifting me up like I was everywhere my emotions were going crazy um, I've looked uh, still to the day I can't even find one picture of me um, in any of the celebrations so I, I don't know where I am I'm, I'm just somewhere <laughs> I'm somewhere on that pitch, but there's no pictures of me anywhere. So yeah. um, I just remember going in the dressing room and then I sort of was walking down a tunnel, turned back around, Yates, he was crying at the end. That almost sent me off and I thought I could get in the dressing room here. I just grabbed myself a can of Thatcher's, I think, and, and sat in the sat in the shower for 10 minutes because I, I was like, I need to get my breath here. Like, I don't know what's happened. And then obviously it all settled down and... The, the kind of celebration started then and the dressing room was brilliant and then I went I think into the bar and met my family and had a few drinks and then obviously we were planning on going out but 
the lads were like, well, we can't get taxis across the roads, like mental. So I just remember walking out and thinking, right, we're going to just go to, I'm, I just went, you know what, let's, let's make the most of it. I, I was with my sister. Um, I was with my sister, a couple of mates, I think. And we got to the top across the road, looked down it, it was just mental we went in the shop and we, I thought right let's get a few drinks for the road so we took a left and we walked down the back route and I just remember we got about as far as the sportsman and I said right we're going in there we're gonna we're gonna go have it off in here I did see you so, in there I remember yeah, that. I, was, yeah. I was on the table in there I think singing my, yeah. with my Desperado bottle um, and then we went outside and managed to flag a taxi down because we were all trying to make our way to the Bristol Hotel, I think, in town. Cause we, yeah, some were yeah, being carried, organized. some were being mobbed, some were being... We managed to get in a taxi and obviously the, uh, the taxi driver was like, oh, it's mad, it's mad. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And he obviously didn't know any of us. We just thought we were just going into town. And I was still just with my sister and a few others, I think, and... I said, just get us into town, mate. We need to go here. So we're driving now, and obviously, like, it's boiling in this taxi. So I had to open the window. Next thing, there's like gas heads flying through the window, jumping on the taxi. The bloke's in the front, like, I'm thinking, oh my God, he's going to go mad in a minute. He's going to gonna have to pay him about 50 quid just to get down here in a minute. So we've, he's gone, what's going on? I'm like, oh, I was about to explain to him then. So next thing, he's like beeping his horn now. He's joining in. <laughs> So we're just, I'm like, right, get the music on. We'll get that. Like, it took us about half hour to get where we wanted, but we obviously got down there and then everyone's families turned up and we sort of just, the, the celebrations kind of started then and didn't kind of stop for the next two, three weeks, to be honest. Yeah, brilliant times, brilliant times. Wish I could go back and do it again. Yeah, same. As a fan. As, and, and for you as, as a Rovers fan as well, it must mean, yeah. did that mean more to you than most of the players there? I think so, yeah, probably. Um, and obviously, that was that was my third with the club, which I didn't know no one else had done before until a week or so after. Um, that was just obviously something that I never thought I'd achieve, and especially to get two in, two and two. Not a lot of players do that in their career, let alone for for the club they you know grew up watching. So, um, kind of didn't all sink in until probably a few few mm. weeks after once. Once the hangover had gone and we'd had a little trip away and then just got back and got back to a bit of normality. And then you just think, wow, we've actually done it. So we're back to League One now, which is where I've spent most of my career. So I was, I was looking forward to that. Mm. So like when you look back now on your Rovers career, do you, do you sort of give it like a satisfied nod and think, yeah, I, 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 did, all, I did what I set out to do and I, I achieved more than I thought I could do and I'm, I'm happy with everything I did at the club in terms of getting the t- team promoted three times. Yeah, I mean, I would have started not ever knowing something like that was gonna gonna happen. And you know, for me, maybe my time there is not done. You know, but even if it is, I've achieved something more than than anyone else has ever achieved at that club for now. So um, leaving was obviously not in the plan. But when I look back and and see what I've achieved, then literally can have no complaints and and obviously I took a gamble going back it was tough to drop down two leagues but it's worked out well and obviously now I'm looking back at it and thinking it was a good decision so I can give myself a pat on the back 
Yeah, I think a lot of Rovers fans will probably give you a pat on the back as well for, <laughs> for hauling <laughs> yeah. us out of that league as well, playing your part at least. Um, yeah, back in League One then. So first season back in League One, we had a pretty decent cup run in which you scored a very nice goal against Cardiff. Um, yeah. Is that your best Rovers goal technically? In terms of the technical ability of between the that one I, I scored one at home against Millwall a half volley from outside the box which just nestled in the in the top corner um, but yeah free kick away at Swindon was good um, I'm quite lucky to, I don't tend to score too many tap-ins so, um, <laughs> when they normally go in they're normally quite quite decent so but yeah I guess the importance of that goal to to get us to Chelsea away was massive because I always said like the only one thing I haven't done leading up to that season was had a decent decent cup draw and obviously that that was the first chance and mm. you know we we went there and had a good night we we played unbelievably and okay, probably Chelsea's probably should have got, got probably should have got a draw really there, close. I think. it was unbelievable performance like we had them on the ropes at three yeah no that's what I mean it was we the gaffer kind of helped it all there because he was just like, he was, we, we were probably laughing at him because when they bought the team sheet in, I think he had a bit of a joke and he's like, who's who's this number four? Yeah, I don't think he's played before. He was talking about Fabregas. <laughs> so <laughs> we're like, we're all laughing, but we're thinking, geez, like we've got, we're actually playing against pretty much their first team. This could be like, mm. this could be a runaround. And I think for the first 20 minutes, I didn't touch the ball. I spent all the first 20 minutes, me and Ollie, I think it was, just running side to side, trying to block the, the lines to the back four. And But after that, we, like I say, we, we played so well. And obviously, there was loads of fans there. And it was close, like you say. <laughs> you know, they had to bring John Terry on at the end to kind of shore things up at the back. So I think that just at the time, probably one of the highest points the club's been, you know, in terms of back to back promotions. And then, you know, playing well and the results were good week in, week out. I think that that kind of just summed us up at that time that the team we had and the players we had and I think most of the fans would have been pretty proud at that point. Yeah, we came out that ground thinking I'm very proud of my football club because we've gone to the side who actually won the Premier League that season and yeah. they've made three changes. I think they, they've taken Diego Costa off for Bashuai. Yeah. Um, I think Oscar was playing instead of Hazard yeah. and uh, I can't remember who the other sub was I think John Terry was out for Zuma or something but like the rest of the side like you said was they're starting 11 from the game previous and to give them a game as good as we did score two goals and then I think Ellis hit the post Easter hit the crossbar it just yeah. could have gone any either way at one point it was nuts um, yeah no it was an enjoyable one that it was mm. a good yeah. Obviously, it would have been a good night out anyway, but it was it was a good night because we enjoyed ourselves and we played well. So yeah. we came away from there happy. Yeah, if I could if I could pick one moment that that upwards momentum sort of hit a ceiling and then all fell and crashed back yeah. down, it would be yeah. you know what I'm going to say, don't you? <laughs> be Matty Taylor leaving the club for for Bristol City that sort of season. Yeah, no, I think Take obviously that was. Whether he went to City or to anywhere else, it was going to affect us as a team. You kind of can't replace that within, obviously, a financial budget in League One. Replacing Matty would have been 
pretty much impossible. I think he he had something that not a lot of players have got. You know, he had that knack of just scoring goals, scoring goals, scoring goals. And not only that, he was a presence. He was only small, but he was very good in the air. And I remember when I first signed, I had no idea about who he was. And the minute I stepped on the field with him, I, I knew in my head, like, he's got a chance. He's got a bit of everything. And, you know, he's gone on gone on to prove that. So, um, yeah. yeah, but like you say, when, when he went, it was always going to be not necessarily downhill but it was going to be very hard to replace him mm. I'm, I guess I'm asking you this because you're both a professional footballer who's been inside that dressing room and also a fan of the football club what was your sort of take on Matty moving to City being arch rivals I was I was not surprised because I actually had a chat with him the day before we we had a game and I was walking out with him and I said, like, what's the crack? And I said, look, I know you're going to be off, but like, what are the, from everything that was being reported, it was, you know, it was a lot of interest from kind of championship clubs, which were big name clubs. And, and I thought, yeah, he, like he deserved it. He deserved it. He, he did. Yeah. deserved that big move. And, but he kind of said to me, he said, you know what? Like no, nothing concrete's really coming through. He said, like, I think at the time that he mentioned to me a couple of clubs in our league that were kind of fighting for promotion at the time. And he said, he said to me, do you know what, Bristol City of, of one of the clubs as well. And I kind of just laughed, laughed at him. And I just said, like, imagine that. And like, the thing is with Matt, he had, he had a good, no, I, I, I never, you know, it never affected me personally. And a lot of times I'd go out and, if, you know, he got a lot of stick and, after the time, it was probably people I know and, and Rovers fans that I know, and I was just like, "Come on, man! Like, you're fully grown men. The guy's the guy's got to build a career. He's got a he's he's been offered this. You know, he, he's got no loyalty to to kind of Bristol Rovers as a fan or as a person. Do you know what I mean? Like me personally, that would have been impossible for me to do because it it doesn't tend to happen. Do you know what I mean? It would have been hard." Not only that, I probably wasn't good enough then anyway. So, um, But he just, fair play to him, you know, he he did it. It's, whether it's worked out or it hasn't for him really, it's, it's not too much of a problem because, you know, he's got a family to look after. He's, you know, he's got a kid and financially, you know, he's, he's probably set himself up for life. So um, fair play to him. And he deserved, he deserved a good move and... You know, at the end of the day, Bristol City is a massive club at the minute. It's, it's, the infrastructure is improving tenfold. And at that time, I think it was probably his best option from all the other clubs he kind of mentioned to me. That was that was his best option at the time. Yeah, I think he was on 14 goals, I think, when he left. Do you think if he'd stayed and, and pushed towards 20, he would have had a sort of pick of the championship clubs in the summer? Or is it never that? straightforward you take what you, you're offered yeah maybe it's just hard as a footballer because as soon as you hear about a move to the champ and and you know the, the figures that probably some of these clubs are throwing at him you, you kind of you get sucked into that straight away and he'd he'd almost completed his job at Rovers yeah it would have been nice if he stayed but in your career like it's like I guess when I moved to, to Wednesday you know it, it it proved to be a good decision and it was a step up that ladder um 
And as a footballer, you want to play at that the highest level you can. And at the time for Matty, that was what he did. He he wanted to play at the championship level and I think that's what he's seen. I don't think he really kind of took too much care about what club it was. It was it was a case of right, I'm gonna be a championship footballer and and that's what I wanna do. I wanna crack at that. You know, yeah. he could have probably gone to one of the clubs that were in the same league as us and if they didn't get promotion, he'd still be playing in League One. And, you know, I mentioned the financial side, but none of that becomes relevant. You you just want to play at that top level. And at the end of the day, whether it's worked out for him or not, he's signed for a championship club. So it's, it's what, as a footballer, you should always aim to play the higher level you can, really. Yeah, and he wasn't he wasn't the only one who moved to the championship. Um, Ellis Harrison also moved to Ipswich and Billy Bowden moved to Preston. Um, after that, it was sort of, I think Daryl Clark found it quite hard to replace the talent he'd lost and things started to decline a little bit, which is yeah. never nice to see when the manager's obviously as popular as Daryl Clark was. Um, and he did eventually lose his job. Um, did you get a sense that season that things were not going to run as smoothly, similar to how it was under Trollop that season? It was nothing like that, no. Like the, the manager had all our backing in the dressing room. Um, we wanted to do as well as we could, but we just went on a bad run. And, you know, like I say, the, the manager's normally the one that takes the, the hit when, when that does happen. And it was obviously a, it was gutting for us when he left. Um, and I think from that moment on, that's when I kind of knew that things were going to be different. Um, mm bit similar to before really when Trolls left um, but you know I was still looking back on the previous years and thinking well, well look what we've achieved um, no one can ever take that away from us so there's going to be some changes there's a new manager coming with totally different ideas he's going to bring in his own players and implement different tactics and and that's that so yeah and uh, Graham Coughlin did come in Um had a lot of success at Rovers to be honest um, saved yeah. us from relegation um, over the calendar year he was here from December to December you think if, if you looked at the league table he would have had a second place um, so certainly was able to get results um, but didn't favour you in central midfield because I think he preferred you know, the likes of Agogo and Ups and sort of more robust ball winners in the middle of the park and then playing it longer to, to Clark Harris. Um, did you sort of get that sense early on that you weren't going to suit Coffin's style of play? I think the day he took over, I kind of knew um, whether I suited his style of play or not. I knew I wasn't going to be part of his plans. I thought, right, I'll give it a shot and, and carry on being professional. But I think the minute he kind of stood up in the room at the training ground and said, right, the chairman's asked me to take over. Um, I kind of knew that that wasn't going to necessarily be positive for me personally. I knew it would suit certain players in that team, but definitely me not being one of them. Yeah. What was your relationship like with Coughlin? Because um, there's obviously a very well reported, I wouldn't say spat, but incident yeah. towards the end of the season. <laughs> Where um, you're closing in on your was it 500th appearance? Um, yeah, was it 499, 499? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, so so Coughlin seemed to say in a public interview that it wasn't your 500th appearance, even though it's statistically confirmed by Keith Brookman that it was your 500th appearance. Um, yeah, and what that just goes, doesn't it? So yeah, he's the he's the man. Keith so. makes the rules. Yeah, that's true. So what's what sort of happened there then? Um, do you know what it was? 
it was a tough season for me actually on and off the pitch there's a lot of stuff going on in my personal life which Daryl Clark was unbelievable with I spoke to him many a time and I had a bit of time off and missed a few games because of that and obviously when the new manager took over you know not a lot had changed to be honest I wasn't in a great place mentally um, but not once did he kind of ask me or sit down and say like what's going on blah 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 um which for me is massive as a manager nowadays. There's a lot of man management needed of players. And yeah, so I kind of tried to just get on with it. And then I think I got an injury and I missed a few games. And he came out saying that I've not been available for this, that, that, that. And I just felt from day one, there was not, I don't know if it was a personal thing or whatever, but I kind of just knew in my head there was something he kind of had had against me. Um, so it was, I knew all along it was probably, you know, going to be my last few games. And I just think at, at the end, obviously, leading up to the last game, uh, I think the whole kind of talk was about my 500th game. And I don't think he liked that really. And I think that was quite a bit of the case through the whole time. Um, speaking to like family members and, and people, I, I, they kind of said, well, not a jealousy thing, but. I kind of earned that respect to that club and I think he kind of didn't like the fact that everyone was giving me that respect maybe or he didn't quite understand what I'd actually done for that club and what I'd achieved and it never entered his head because I remember having chats and him saying to me I don't care what you've done at this club um, we're just talking about now and I said well to be honest that's, that's all I need to hear and I think I walked out and, and just got on with training so I don't know what it was, mate. Uh, you know, obviously there was there was a lot of different players in that dressing room then, but there was still, you know, players that had been there and done it, and but maybe not so much as to what I had. And I think he just got fed up in the end of people kind of asking him about me towards the end. And but any normal manager in that situation, even if they kind of didn't like the player or didn't feel like they wanted to talk about it, they would have just just probably played along and said, oh yeah, it's amazing. Hopefully we'll give Lions his, his game on, on Saturday. Um, but I think he just handled it completely disrespectfully, really, more than anything. Um, and I, I think it surprised people around me, my friends and family were just like, what, what have we done to this bloke? Like, well, why is he like this? Um, and I didn't have an answer, to be fair. And I, I still haven't now, to be honest. But... Um, like I say, it, it could have been handled a whole lot better. It's yeah. what it is done now. And listen, it, it was his first proper job in football. And he probably, you know, the media is a big side of football and you can, you can win a lot of friends or make a lot of enemies, I guess, with the interviews and stuff you do nowadays and the way that you use social media. Maybe he'll look back and think I should have been a bit more respectful. I doubt it. Because we played him a few times this season, I didn't speak to him then anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just disappointing for me and, and and more more my family really, because obviously you, the season before, you know, you you've got Brownie on the pitch with with his kids and and this that, and the other, and the next season, I, you know, I I kind of literally just have a little parade because it's it's the last game and and then walk off and. The kit man's got a shirt for me, which all the lads have signed, and it, he's saying to me he's had to kind of sneak that behind the manager's back to get everyone to sign it. So it was obviously something personal, but 
it is what it is. And you know, I said earlier, like everything happens for a reason. I've left and gone and got promoted again. So if yeah, and he has two times of yeah, the two times I've I've left kind of on not the greatest terms. I've gone on to to other things and achieve and achieve another promotion. So mm. at the time I was gutted because I, I was just building another like base in Bristol, um, new misses and seeing my kids a lot more often and and seeing my family and stuff like that. So it, you know, I bought a house down here and it was disappointing, but. It's been a bit of a breath of fresh air going to work with Keith Curl at Northampton, and I couldn't possibly compare those two managers from one end of the spectrum to the other. To be fair, yeah, yeah. Well, you do you feel like you've got the send off that you wanted to have? And is there anything you'd like to sort of say to any Rovers fans listening that you may not have been able to say in interviews while you were at the? No, I think I think probably that last game it would have been a few things I would have liked to have done differently knowing that it was going to be my last game but um, no nah, the fans have been brilliant I think they all kind of understood and you know like I say I was still living in Bristol then so when I'm when I'm going out and stuff I'm seeing people and they're getting to speak to me and explain the situation and I think not one supporter I've spoke to and listen <laughs> the Rovers fans are very up and down there's always a negative little a corner or a bunch that I always seem to get it in the neck from, but even them, they've they've all been supportive and everyone's just baffled by it. And I think, you know, even to the point where a lot of people I know were like, well, we're not going back down there. If he's in charge, like, we, we don't want to watch that. Um, and to be fair, it probably worked out a bad decision because they actually done it right. So <laughs> whether or not it was good to watch, it, it was getting results. Um, yeah. But yeah, it would have been... Listen, like it was brilliant the send off I got. It would have been nice to to make a bit more of a day of it, and or a little bit more of a, a thing at the end of the game. But I got to take my little girl on the pitch, and I got a nice shirt to remember it. And obviously, I've I've gone out and and been successful this season, which kind of makes it a lot easier for me. Yeah, if I'd have had a bad season this year. It would have kind of made it worse. Obviously, with him leaving not long after as well, I'd be thinking oh, I could have still been there now, and I could have still been part of that. But I've left and, and got another medal, so there's no complaints from me now. Yeah, and uh, fingers crossed, we will see you at the Memorial Stadium next season, hopefully with fans there. Too. Yeah, no, that's that's Keep one thing I was looking forward to straight away. Um, I've never been back there to play with any of my other clubs since leaving, so. Um, yeah, pr- pray that, that there'll be fans there for that day, and I'll thoroughly enjoy it. All my family will be there, and, and my kids and stuff. So it'll be, it'll mm. be good. Um, I'll try and try and get a bit of bit of a better result for Northampton because last time, the last few times we've played Northampton, it's been like five 0 and six 0 So <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be able to let that happen this time. I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting. You've never played against Rovers before, haven't you? So never played against Rovers, no. Like I've always been hoping like for a little cup draw or something, like this year or when I was at Port Vale or Chef, just thinking, Oh, it'd be nice to like draw Rovers away in the cup or something. But yeah, yeah it'd be perfect this year. Hopefully get all the fans back through the gates and enjoy my day. 
yeah one of the last things to tick off i guess on your bucket list yeah that would pretty much complete it yeah so yeah. well fingers crossed chris it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you thanks so much for your time no problem and uh yeah all the best to you in the future nice one mate Gasheads, thanks very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, Of course, it's the off-season now, but we're still hoping to bring you plenty of content as we wait for updates on when the new campaign will start. Uh, Have a great week, and up the gas.